Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about micronutrients and the importance of micronutrients in crops. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, AgPhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Before we talk about the micronutrients, I just want to talk about a not micronutrient, sulfur. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of questions about sulfur here over the last few years. And just so we're all clear, sulfur is not a micronutrient. It is a secondary nutrient. You need lots of it. I was just talking to somebody about how much sulfur they'd need. Did you know that a 250 bushel corn crop needs 38 pounds? 38 pounds. It's not 0.38 0.38 pounds, like some of these micronutrients, it's 38 pounds. Even a 100 bushel wheat winter wheat crop or a 70 bushel soybean crop, they each need about 25 pounds. So 25 to 38 pounds for a good crop of corn, soybeans, or wheat, um, that's a lot of sulfur. Okay, So we're not talking about sulfur today. What we are talking about today are what we call the micronutrients, zinc, Boron, copper, manganese, and iron are the five main ones we're usually discussing, but there are others as well that take even less. Like I think about molybdenum, for example. Some people ask about zinc, uh, or not zinc, uh, uh, cobalt and chloride. Uh, So there are a few others, but The main ones, again, zinc, boron, copper, manganese, and iron. We really want to get into those today. Uh, I will say, too, when we start talking about micronutrients, they they usually don't cost a whole lot of money if you need some. But the thing is, we've got a big difference in what we're kind of looking for in terms of parts per million. For example, a lot of times with boron or copper, we're quite happy with two parts per million, maybe three parts per million on copper, somewhere around there, five at the most. But manganese, I mean, let's say you're running a Malik 3 test, we might want, I mean, ideally on our ground, I'd like 50 parts per million if I could get it, that'd be great. So in other words, if you go, whoa, hey, we're 20% low, well, on manganese, you might have to put out quite a bit. But when we come back to things like zinc and copper, for example. I mean, there's zinc sulfate out there, or copper sulfate. If you wanted to raise a soil test level, it really wouldn't cost all that much to do it. You can also use liquid products if you want. We use a little bit of low-rate liquid fertilizer in our starter, and we get a little bit of zinc and copper and some of these nutrients out there. So lots of ways to do it. You can foley your feed. You can broadcast it. You can band it. So we're going to talk about a lot of those things as we go throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, lots of things that we can talk about here in the mailbag. One question that came in from Joe was talking about slow growth. And he said, when a crop is growing slow and the grain fill period goes slow... Does that produce higher test weight, or is the test weight more based off the combinations of nutrients and water? Yes, more based off those other things. So I'm not that worried about 
uh, fast growth or slow growth toward the end or fast finishing, slow finishing. The, the point is, if you don't have the nutrients you need and the water you need, you're going to have a problem. Now, I will say, if let's say it's all of a sudden 95 degrees when it's normally 65 degrees, that can obviously change a lot of things and you've got to have more water at that time than you normally would just because of the stress you're putting on the plant. So I'm not saying that there can't be some role in this slow versus fast thing, but just as a general statement, no, it's not going to make that much difference. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Jay over in Illinois. And he said, we've had a lot of reports about many of the generic miso products and even Callisto itself not killing emerged water hemp. I'm curious your thoughts. Is it due to resistance or is it due to the weeds getting too big and therefore being off label? Uh, if it is resistance, curious about a couple of alternatives. Uh, water hemp is not on the label for Stinger, but I'm just wondering if Stinger could help. What do you think about the newer product called Tough? Does that really work? Is it worth the money? And what do you think about some of the other premixes down? Would that be a better option just to start with a better pre-emerge program? Okay, uh, that's a big question. Let's start with this. Do Is there resistant water hemp to HPPDs? We believe yes. There hasn't been, I haven't seen a whole lot of university reports or anything else saying this is a big deal, but you're dead on with the whole size question. What happened this last year is we were accumulating heat units in a lot of areas in in the United States anyway, more than twice as fast as normal, more than twice as fast as normal. So all of a sudden our weeds that normally were killing at two inches, they were four inches tall. Weeds that were normally three inches or six inches tall. Well, that's not going to work. I mean, most of these products, you're off-label once it's past four inches. And there was a whole lot of spraying being done when weeds are bigger than four inches. So that, in my opinion, was a much bigger problem than the resistance issue. But let's go back to your last question, which was about the pre's. Um, Why did the weeds get so big in the first place? Because there wasn't an adequate pre down. So I want to group 15 because that's going to get the grass and it's going to help on the water hemp. But then if you want something with it, that's going to do a great job. um, Here are two options I want you to think about. One is just straight old Banville. If you're doing this pre-emerge, you can go out there with a full pint of Banville and that's going to work even if you don't get a whole lot of rain to wash that group 15 in. Otherwise, uh, I like Sharpen. So Verdict, for example, is a combination of Outlook and Sharpen. Sharpen's really good. So do something for pre, and then you're not going to have as much post. Uh, Post-emerge, what could you tank mix with the HPPD? Stinger will help a little bit. Tough will help a little more. Dicamba would help a lot more. So, I mean, if I just go straight out, what's the best? Yeah, dicamba. But then you can also switch. If you're having all kinds of problems, you can go to status. Costs quite a bit more money, but that absolutely will kill every water hemp plant that's up in the field. Stay tuned. When it comes to combines, capacity and cost keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at kloss.com. When I step on someone's farm, 
I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about micronutrients. If you have a question, uh, any agronomic question, or if you'd like to talk micronutrients, you can sure give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us your question, radio at agphd.com. We've got one of our favorite guests back. we got Stephanie Zelenko on with AgroLiquid to talk a little about micronutrients. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm good. Thank you. All right. So you get a lot of questions about micros. And I know uh, from an agroliquid standpoint, uh, you also have individual micronutrient products. But I'm going to guess your more popular choices are the blended micros. Talk to us a little bit about that decision of should I try and address micros one at a time or am I better off just trying to feed the plant with everything it needs? Sure thing. You know, we always start our recommendations off there with a soil test or a tissue test, but we do find that in many cases, you're not just short one micronutrient. And especially when we go to push these higher yields, um, those micronutrients tend to become deficient more quickly just because they haven't been well managed historically. And so that's why we like our micro 500 package. Like you mentioned, it is our, our most popular combination blend that we put out there. It has five of the key micronutrients, zinc, manganese, iron, copper, and boron. And they're all in there in that, that perfect ratio just to kind of maintain that crop demand. And then if you need some additional micros based upon that soil test, we can add you know other individual micronutrients in there to increase those levels. Now, one question we get a lot about micronutrients, Stephanie, is are the micros in my soil available? Uh, I, I know when you talk about putting out, say, a liquid at planting time, you get a lot better shot of getting things in than if you're hoping that your root system is going to find absolutely everything that's on your soil test. So where's that happy medium that you say, no, you're, you're in good shape or yes, you probably need to be putting some on? 
a lot of things are going to go into making that management decision, yield goal, again, your soil test levels, um, and just what your environment is like. You know, there are, just like our, our phosphorus and our other primary nutrients, micronutrients can get tied up in the soil as well and interact with other nutrients. And so when you look at that complete soil test, just not that micronutrient component, you can help make some of those decisions. If your phosphorus is high, um, you may know you might have some tie-up of some zinc as well. So there's those interactions that you just watch for and kind of look at that picture as a whole to determine, you know, how much to apply and when you can apply it. And a liquid form is a great way to do it because it is readily available for that crop. Um, and then right there in that root zone where it doesn't have to search too far to find it. You know, we, we talk about uh, plant tissue testing. You mentioned that to start with, and I know we do have growers that say, hey, in the middle of the season, I want to look and see how we're doing here. And if we're struggling, uh, I want to try and help the crop out. One of the things that often gets added into those foliar mixes is a micronutrient product, whether it's a, a single one or a blended. What's the safety like with micro, Stephanie? I know boron kind of gets a bad rap that, oh, man, you got to watch out for boron. Are, are there nutrients that we really do need to watch out for? Or uh, if we're spraying at reasonable rates, are we pretty safe? For the micronutrients alone, they're going to be relatively safe. But sometimes those micronutrients come with other things that may not be safe. Um, a lot of times they are a nitrogen-based or a sulfur-based micronutrient, just, you know, the way that they're formulated. And in those cases, those may be the ones that maybe have a higher risk of causing injury. Um, boron can be risky, um, but that's going to be a little bit more dependent upon the plant size. If you have a pretty good plant development, if it's, you know, above a couple inch tall corn or soybeans, you're going to be safe with that foliar. The only one I really, really worry about on the micronutrient side is copper. And copper can burn. Um, we've seen that pretty commonly in wheat crops and corn crops. So that's the only one that I'm going to use real caution with. Yeah, that's a great tip. And and for a lot of our listeners that say, man, I haven't been doing enough with the micronutrients. I need to start somewhere. You mentioned micro 500 and just getting the base that you need out there to feed this year's crop, but always starting with that soil test so you can kind of see, hey, where are we at and are we in good shape? Because uh, just like you mentioned, Stephanie, a lot of times it's not just one micro that we're short. If we haven't been putting micros back and we're pulling some out every year, it can sure be a problem. Uh, Stephanie, uh, I guess last thing, research data. And this one's tough to find on micronutrients because so often, well, we did a study on boron, but we were short in N, P, or K. And so we saw no response. You do a lot of research work. Uh, is it all available? Where would you suggest folks go to find that? So all of our research information is available on AgroLiquid's website, which is agroliquid.com. Um, and then you can just click there for the resources and get down to the research. So we keep the last you know seven or so years of research up to date on that website. And if you can't find specifically what you're looking for, there's an Ask the Agronomist section. Just type that note in and it gets sent to myself or one of our regional agronomists and we can find that specific data point for you. Yeah, what I like is you've got data on vegetables, you've got data on just about every crop you can think of, um, just just a wide range of, of questions that could be answered right from the website. I appreciate that. Hey, Stephanie, thanks for what you're doing, and good luck here at Harvest Season. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good day. Let's head out to Illinois. Another person concerned about harvest right now, Matt Swanson with the Extreme Ag Group. Matt, how are you guys coming on Harvest? 
Oh, not too bad, Darren. Everybody's kind of gotten rolling, at least in part now. So um, progress is being made anyway. That's good. That's good. Then, then comes the soil sampling, the fertilizing, all the the big inputs for next year. Talk to us about micronutrients. Have you got everything kind of built up to where you need it to be, or is this something you're having to do some maintenance on every year? Uh, no, I would. We do a little bit of maintenance on everything every year, and then there, and then there's of course micros like boron that we you know just plan on having to apply every year. So, uh, but they are a key part of our our soil testing and soil sampling program. So. Yeah, a lot of samples that we see still to this day, we, we don't have all the micros listed, and, and I don't understand why. I, I mean, we still hear people saying, oh, it's not important, and we sure haven't found that to be the case. I, I know you test for micros, too. What 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 have been some of the big difference makers for you? Well, you know, we have tested for micros for a couple of years. It's just it's part of our in-season and our uh, pre-season soil testing. Um, but zinc obviously is a, is a key one. Um, we've been doing more and more work with copper. Um, funny that Stephanie mentioned the foliar copper burn. I've done that personally, I believe, on your farm actually. Uh, <laughs> yes, a couple yes years we ago. did. Yes, we did. We found that yeah. one out the hard way. So <laughs> copper, uh, copper is something that we we generally soil apply um, and and boron, of course. Um, so we we have a pretty consistent manganese issue, but it's not something we've been able to rec- to. Uh, remedy with manganese itself we've had to to apply other things like sulfur and to to make the manganese more readily available so yeah that one has been a tricky one on our farm too and ph has been a big deal where we've got higher ph that seems to be less available and and i guess that's what all the guides would tell you and lower ph is more available and we've sure seen that on our farm too if we get our ph in line that can that can help and you know you mentioned uh uh, the the balance of nutrients when these micros are such small quantities, yeah, you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean, oh yeah, add ten more pounds and everything will be great. If you you're completely overloaded with other things, well, what have you seen on your farm? Is it calcium? Is it magnesium? What are some of the big ones that you think could be a challenge? Well, in our soils, we have a, a heavy calcium component uh, for the most part, and then we have a heavy magnesium component. So. Um, potassium, as far as the you know the, your base saturation type nutrients, is is really the one that's always in short supply. So, you know, calcium for us um, can be an obstacle, especially with with phosphorus, and that kind of bleeds into our zinc discussion, right? So, if you've got phosphorus that's tied up with calcium, then that you know changes the the ratios of of zinc to to phosphorus as far as what's actually plant available. So we have to to manage that ratio to make everything come out right. So if you were starting all over, Matt, and you're trying to figure out these nutrients, where would you start? Because uh, honestly, a lot of our, especially our younger listeners, are looking at this and saying, oh, man, you guys talk about all these things, and I'm just getting started here. Where where would be the, the place that you would start? Well, uh, first, you need to get, you need to have a soil test, and, and if at all possible, a, a tissue test with, a, with an accompanying in-season soil test. Because that tells us, you know, not only what we have, you know, in the soil itself, but what we're actually getting up in the plant and what we need to change. So I actually had this conversation not too long ago with uh, one of our consulting clients and say, you know, look, I know you're not jacked up about the idea of pulling tissues, but really <laughs> no. it builds the foundation because if we don't know what we're getting, we can't go from there. Yeah, it's, it's tough to do. We'll talk more about that coming up right after this. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, 
your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. My mom's got a new Case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Broadcasting from the Morton Studio talking about micronutrients in crops and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, we were talking with Matt Swanson and he had made the comment uh, if he was starting all over trying to learn nutrients, he'd start off taking a good complete soil test and then he'd follow up in crop pulling a soil test and a plant tissue test right in the same spot and just kind of do some comparison of, okay, where are we starting from? And then in season, what's our soil test saying and what is our plant saying? What's it able to get out of the soil? And that was a good learning uh, moment for him once they started doing that on their farm. Got Alan Perry with us right now at the Farm Technologies Network. Alan, is that a strategy you you use as well? Do some in-season testing in addition to your preseason soil testing? 
yes, uh, we certainly like that extra information. Uh, being from northern Maine, I'm a little bit at a disadvantage because I'm a long ways from the testing labs that we like to use. Uh, I'm learning now so I can read the plants uh, and almost tell quicker uh, what I need to know just from watching the symptoms. Yeah, that's one of the fun things about having a little bit more experience and a few gray hairs is you've seen things a few times now and you say, what looks different here? But it's also an advantage when you get to work with so many different farmers like you do all over because then you can say, man, the stuff they're they're raising over in New Hampshire looks a little different than it does here in Maine and and start comparing what some of those things are um, telling you about the plant and what you're going to see in the soil test. So talk about these micros, Alan. I know you test for micros. You're very curious about where they're at. Uh, what what should growers know if they say, ah, we've, never, we've always been looking at N, P, and K. Why should I be looking at the micros? Well, uh, from, from a purely functional standpoint, they are responsible for shape, color, uh, internal quality, uh, weight, uh, of the produce. So depending on the crop you've got, there's lots of different aspects to them, plus about a hundred different functions within the plant itself, regulating where the energy goes and what gets repaired and how things work. Um, there's a secondary reason I think is vitally important now. That's just that these trace minerals are so expensive that misuse causes a lot of money. And uh, we need to understand better how to use them and not misuse them. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And I know we hear a lot of times uh, when somebody's talking about one specific micro that, oh, man, this made a huge difference on my farm. Uh, we have a lot of farmers that want to imitate that and say, oh, boy, if that if boron was such a good thing for that grower, it must be for me. And and they put a bunch of boron on and don't see any results. So how do you figure out where you need to be exactly on these micros so you know if you're making a good investment? Um, you mentioned boron. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, boron, water-soluble, uh, negative charge, so it doesn't stick to the soil. So if your farm is east of the Mississippi River where we have more rainfall than evaporation, you're going to be boron deficient. It will get away in the water system. But as you go further west from the Mississippi River, you're going to have more and more boron and less and less of an issue with that item. So it depends a little bit on your crop and where your farm is. Uh, as to how, uh, which of these minerals is most important and how you attack them. You know, you start off with soil tests and, and the soil test itself, when you see 0.2 parts per million on something, you say, okay, I, I'm pretty low here. Uh, many of these you want to see a part per million, some you want to see 10 or 20 parts per million. Uh, so as, as growers are looking at this, I mean, obviously you've got growers you've worked with for a long time, Alan. Is this something that you build up in one shot? Is it something when you say we're low in, in many of these micros that it's going to take us a while to get there? What strategy do you employ? Uh, it has a lot to do with the value of the crop that you're working on. If you're working on million-dollar wine grapes, you can afford to do things quicker. Uh, it doesn't have to all be done the first day. As long as you've got a plan on how to get there and keep working away, you can make it fit your budget. I think that's really important. Um, but it is uh, uh, an issue that uh, you do, some of these work with and against the NPK items you're putting on. And so zinc and phosphorus, for example, if you're dumping a lot of phosphorus on, you're, even if your soil levels say you're fairly good in, in zinc, you still may be deficient because the phosphorus you put on works against it. Uh, nitrogen works against copper. Some of these interactions with the NPK 
are worth knowing about. Um, it's like learning to play the piano. It doesn't hurt to have a good coach to help you a little bit. No, that's that's for sure. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the different things with, uh, like, produce, for example, the shape, the color, some of the internal qualities of fruits and vegetables. I would imagine with all the crops you get to work with, you probably go to the grocery store or, or just even right fresh from the farm produce and you say, huh, we're short in this nutrient or that. Uh, is there anything that comes to mind that you say, man, at the grocery store, you'll notice X, Y, and Z that we should be thinking about as we're, we're buying our produce? Well, uh, most of my produce that I buy is uh, on the East Coast. And so uh, boron deficiency is one of the more obvious visual symptoms. They have a hole in the center of a potato. There'll be a cavity in the carrot. There'll be a hollow stem on the broccoli, things that are pretty easy to see. Um, other things a little more difficult, you know, why does something taste bitter that should be much sweeter? Um even in watermelon, someone, a watermelon grower told me one time, those, those white seeds you find in a watermelon, they're not all black. Some are white. The white ones are manganese deficient. Uh, little things like that. If somebody doesn't tell you, you could look at it for a lifetime and still not know what it was. Yeah, that's interesting. I just happened to look on a farm today. I, I split open an ear of corn, and it was hollow in the center of the cob. And I thought, I've never seen that before. Uh, but this is a farmer yeah. that doesn't use doesn't use any micros. And I got thinking about that today. I thought, I'm probably going to learn about that today, about what that exactly is. Your suspicion would be boron deficiency. That would be, or calcium that, that makes, you may have boron enough and can't get it in because your calcium is deficient. But when we went to uh, Ukraine, I got a chance to see for the first time what copper deficiency looked like in half a dozen crops. Maine has some of the highest copper in the world, and so we never see that. And, um, again, it's helpful to have somebody point out. I, could, I knew there was something wrong with it, but I wouldn't necessarily have known what it was. So um, it, once you see it, you won't unsee it. You'll know from then on what it is. How about, how about some of these other micros, Alan? Uh, we've talked about some of the, I would, I would say the big name micros, the boron, zinc, copper, iron, those kind of nutrients. What about molybdenum and cobalt and some of these that don't show up on your standard soil test, but you certainly can test for those. Are they going to be critically important or is it so far down the line that we, we need to get the big pieces right first? Well, the strategy and how to fix them says you got to get the big pieces in place or at least uh, close before you spend a lot of money, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't know where the deficiencies are. Um, cobalt, molybdenum, really, really important in regard to nitrogen efficiency. So we're spending a lot of money on nitrogen. Um, it, it is very important to have those two items somewhat in line. Uh, if you're in New Zealand, that's just a standard test because they know they're low all the time in that, and it really helps some nitrogen efficiency a lot. We started testing California soils recently on, on some onions and garlic out there, and, and half the time our cobalt molybdenum is about half of what we wished it was. So I think for people that haven't tested that before, you ought to at least do one test and satisfy yourself that you're okay or you're not okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot to know here, and it's it makes farming fun for me. It makes raising crops fun because there's there's always something more to know and and get better at it. And like you say, a lot of these things once you once you've seen them and you understand what they are, you can't unsee it. You definitely remember, and something triggers in your brain that that I need to be looking at this. Uh, 
you know, with, with micronutrients, you mentioned helping with nitrogen. You mentioned all the things going on inside. Super important. When is the best time to test, Alan? Is the best time today? Is it fall? Is it spring? Is it in season or anytime? Um, I think uh, I'll give you a couple different scenarios and then probably you can figure out the best answer for yourself. If I was selling a crop, let's say potatoes, to a processor and it's winter time and I'm selling things and all my potatoes have a hole in the middle enough to have them rejected. That's boron deficiency. <laughs> yes. Can't fix it that day, but it's important to know now that you've felt the expense of the defect, uh, you're going to say, we got to get this fixed. Well, when? For as soon as you can do a soil test. Yeah, no, uh, I, no, I get that. You, I get that, Alan. That's uh, that's probably all we need to hear on that one. Is hey, you you can't solve it too late in the season. You got to get after it up front, uh, so you know what you're doing on these nutrients. I've been talking with Alan Perry here with the Farm Technologies Network. Alan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. From the moment the first seed is in the ground, your days until harvest are numbered. Each day, every decision leads to your bottom line. So, when it comes to harvest, rely on the only combine built to deliver the numbers you deserve. The Kloss Lexion gives you the quality, efficiency, reliability, and precision that make every minute count. Go ahead, let the numbers drive you with a Lexion Combine built by Kloss. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. You've done it, your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com.
When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about micronutrients. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, I'll just give you probably one or two quick things on each one of these main five micros that we wanted to hit today. Okay, let's start with this, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. We uh, All right, so uh, new ground that we get, it takes us two or three years to, to really get things humming. And a lot of times that first year or two, we see what we hear about a lot rapid growth syndrome in corn where all of a sudden we've got a yellow top on a plant here and there out in the the field and when we pull plant tissue samples and soil samples we see we're low in zinc or sometimes we're low in sulfur but a lot of times it's almost always low in zinc yeah so here here's the whole thing whenever people can't really explain things then they make up nonsense like rapid growth syndrome there's no such thing as rapid growth syndrome just like there's no such thing as a nitrogen credit for soybeans that doesn't exist that's made up and here's the whole thing it's when you don't have accurate data you just come up with some general term like rapid growth syndrome like well i don't know there's nothing we can do come on Let's figure out what the problem is and let's solve the problem. There is something you can do. So when you see plants that are bad in your field, test them. Let's find out what's going on and then fix the problem. So it, it's most likely a zinc deficiency, but yeah, it could be something else. And the reason why it's yellow tops is because these micronutrients are immobile in the plant. Okay, now we're not talking about in the soil. When we think about in the soil, boron, for example, is very mobile in the soil. Zinc is not, but... Anyway, boron's very mobile in the soil, but zinc and boron are not mobile in the plant. What that means is this. If your plant realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a little short on zinc or boron or copper or manganese or iron, it can't just rob it from the lower leaves like it can with N, P, and K. N, P, and K inside the plant are mobile. That's the reason why the nutrient deficiencies, if it gets so bad that you can see a nutrient deficiency on your plant, it's going to be in the lower leaves with N, P, and K because the plant will rob it from those lower leaves and bring it to the new growth. It can't do that with the micronutrients because they're immobile in the plant. So that's why if you see yellowing at the top of the plant, it's probably going to be a micronutrient or sulfur that you're you're looking at, some kind of deficiency there. Okay, so anyway, zinc. Um, oh, here, let me first give you the levels that I personally would like on our farm. And this, these may seem a little nuts to you. And these are Malik 3 levels, so please, if you're running DTPA tests or with some other lab other than Midwest and a Malik 3, I, I mean, just take these numbers with a grain of salt. But uh, with zinc, ideally, I'd like 15 parts per million. A lot of people I see have one or two. I'd like 15. Uh, and the reason why is because we want our phosphorus level to be pretty high, probably between 100 and 150. So if we're in the 7 to 10 to 1 range 
on phosphorus to zinc, that to me is pretty good. Manganese, ideally, I'd like 100 parts per million. I can live with 50 in a lot of cases, but I'd like 100. Iron, I can live with 100 or even 75 probably, but I'd like 150. And again, these are Malik 3 numbers, not DTPA, okay? Copper, I'd like 3 and preferably 5. And boron, it all depends on how heavy the soil is. On a lot of our ground, it's really heavy. So we have 5,000 or more parts per million of calcium, so we can handle five parts per million of boron. Now, your situation may be whole different, okay? So we're not here saying, oh, everybody needs to have these levels. That's just what I'm shooting for, okay, on our ground that's really heavy. And so, I, again, just kind of keep that in mind. But I just wanted you to understand uh, that we are looking at all these. I do want pretty good levels. And I'm not just looking at the level of, for example, zinc and copper. I'm looking at what's my ratio between phosphorus and zinc? What's my ratio between phosphorus and copper? Those things are important. Okay. And then also with manganese uh, and iron, those are very important nutrients in the plant. But we have people that will listen to Neil Kinsey and some of the Kinsey consultants we have on from time to time, and they hear him say, well, iron has to be higher than manganese. Well, yeah, that's on their tests. Okay, so if you're running a different lab, that may not necessarily be true. So, and it's the same thing with some of the things we're telling you when we run Midwest Labs tests. You're going to have to prove these things out on your own farm with your own lab if you're using a different lab. Okay, so with manganese and iron, like with Midwest Labs tests, we haven't found that it's been that critical that iron is below manganese from time to time. Would I like it higher than manganese? Of course. But I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we get questions from time to time, guys that are just super hardcore into this, and they're like, I'm going to go for big time yield, and I'm going to follow what you guys say, and Kinsey says, and I'm going to put all these things together, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything, and I'll, I'll spend all the money, I'll do it. And then they, they say, okay, well, I'm going to spend $150 on manganese per acre. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's prove out if we need to spend that first. And what we found is the major nutrients are more important than the micros, okay? Drainage, more important than any nutrient. So there are some places we'd rather spend those dollars first. Now, if you want to take two acres on your farm or five or 10 or whatever. So like for us, we farm 3,500 acres. So it's quite a few. So if I try something on 50 acres to you, that may be a lot to me, that's a small percentage. So a lot of times we do try things on 50 or hundred or maybe 200 acres before we start doing it on 3,500 acres. You see where I'm going with this. So I'm fine. You do whatever tests you want to do on your farm. That's great. Just try it on a small scale first prove it out over time before you start spending that kind of money on the whole farm, all right? Boron. A lot of people talk about how boron is toxic to the plant. Well, look, everything is toxic to the plant if you give it too much. Even water is toxic to the plant. So there's nothing that's all good and no bad. Boron is the exact same way. You just don't need a whole lot of boron. So the good news here is you don't have to spend much. But the reason why we like putting boron on the soil and building up our whole soil is because we just don't get a lot of rainfall. We're talking half normal rainfall in the last three and a half years. Half! And we normally only get 22 to 24 inches of total annual precip. So think about that. Over a three-year period, I mean, we're going on maybe 30, 35 inches of precip. You know, over that whole amount of time, it's not much. So I just, we can't move stuff well in our soil, 
And if we try to go foliar, I mean, you can do it, but we don't have irrigation. If I could hit it every week with a pivot and give it just a little shot of every nutrient, I'd love to do that. But we don't have that luxury. We farm over the top of solid granite, and it's so deep that people have tried drilling wells, and they just quit because they run out of money every time. So we can't get much for irrigation water. It just doesn't work for us where we farm. So that's the kind of situation that we're in. So then we say, all right. If we can't move stuff well in the soil, our best bet is to build the soil up so nutrients are there, they're ready to go, and there is some soil moisture. We do have heavy soils, but the moisture's down in the ground a little ways. It's not coming from the top. It's not coming from rain most of the time. We're just we're short all the time. So anyway, with boron, in a lot of cases, we're trying to build those soil test levels up to one one-thousandth of whatever our calcium is. So if I got 2,000 parts per million on calcium, I'd like two parts per million on boron roughly. doesn't have to be exactly that, but that's kind of what we're shooting for. But in a lot of our fields, we got three, four, five thousand parts per million on calcium. So we're going for three, four, or five parts per million on boron. So anyway, there's a little information on each one of these micronutrients. Again, I think they're very, they're, they, I know they are each very important. I'm not going to tell you to take all your NPNK dollars for a year and spend on these micronutrients, but I will say, if you've done a great job with drainage, you've done a great job building up your NPNK, you have your soil pH right where you want it, it's in the sixes and it's perfect, you've got your organic matter built, you're doing everything right and you're like, wow, I think I'm set up to have an unbelievable, amazing crop, as long as Mother Nature is good to me. Well, yeah, then I'm really focused on the micronutrients. But until we get to that point, am I going to look at it? Of course I am. Am I going to spend a few dollars? Absolutely. But am I going crazy on micronutrients? Probably not. I'm going to invest just a little bit, and then I'm going to go from there. But I will say, Zinc is one of the biggest ones for corn, and we get questions about that all the time. A lot of people put a quart of zinc in furrow, and they're removing more than that just with the corn, and then they don't put anything out for the beans, they're removing even more, and the soil level just keeps going down, down, down. So if you're going to do a little bit, make sure you're at least putting on what the crop's removing over a two- or three-year period. All right, stay tuned. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year, ahem, maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at sound.ag. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. If you've got a question for us, you can email us radio at agphd.com or just give us a call 844 44 phd Get this one from Christian. He said, I went to pull some ears of corn and test the moisture, but I noticed these black spots on the leaves. And I wanted to went to rub them off. Uh, they don't rub off, but they aren't bumpy either. I didn't notice it last weekend when I pulled a few ears and the leaves were a little more green. I don't think I lost much yield if it is tar spot. I did put some Veltima out there at R1. Just curious, uh, is it just the corn plants just dying or is it tar spot? No, it's not tar spot. Tar spot, you'd see raised bumps on those leaves. So definitely when not the leaves tar spot. are green. Yep. So yeah, this late in the year, everything's going to fall apart. I, I mean, it's it's starting to deteriorate. Okay, uh, let's dive into, actually, I had another quick one, but I'll save that one. Let's dive into a couple of soil tests here. So there's three tests here, Brian. Uh, this is from Jared uh, down in north central Texas. He said, I, I took three tests here on a leased pasture, and I want to know the best fertilizer combo to use. We're going to plant winter wheat. So I took three samples going down the hill, and I'm, I can guess which one of those three is at the bottom of the hill. Uh, he's curious about adding micros and curious about the NPK blend. So uh, just here's a couple stats since you're listening to us talking about soil tests. We have a cation exchange capacity anywhere from a 7 to a 21. That's a lot of big, that's a big, big difference in nutrient holding. But then we also have a pH in that lighter soil of around 6 to 6.4. But in the heavier soil, 7.8. So big, big difference there. And as you can imagine, nutrient levels that vary quite a bit too. Uh, you get three different... Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, we're still talking low and and lower. So when you look at phosphorus, for example, and he did it in pounds, and I do like pounds. Uh, so with this lab, uh, rather than parts per million, but there's 
two pounds per acre is all in that 7.4 CEC ground. And in the 21 CEC ground, it's 12. Either way, I mean, that's really, really, really low. So that's not going to be enough to raise much of anything. I don't care what we're talking about. Well, look at so, these three fertilizer ahead. blends, Brian. They're recommending no potassium in the two lighter soils. Now, the base saturation six or seven, but in a CEC of seven, I don't know how much you're going to get that. Yeah, but there's that. 392 pounds of potassium there. So I understand why they're talking that. In okay. the heavy ground, they just don't have enough in ratio. Uh, no, on the heavy ground, they're only recommending adding 28 pounds of K. And to me, I, I yeah. think I would put more on than that. Yeah, I would too. Because you're only at 2.2% base saturation K. You need more potassium. But again, this is a leased pasture. Okay, It's not ground that he owns. So I'm thinking about it differently if I'm only going to have it this year. In other words, what do I need this year to make my grass great? So I understand why they would only do a little bit. You know, the other interesting thing, Darren, in that heavy ground is the magnesium was 3%, and it was only 154 pounds. So we also know that when grass is low in magnesium, there's much more chance for grass tetany. So I, I, I'm concerned about my livestock a little bit, and so if it's me, I'm at least getting some magnesium out in that low ground, that that's one of the things I would think about anyway. Uh, but yeah, there's not much magnesium out there. There, I mean, there's some potassium, but it's not it, it's not this huge amount. So I'm with you. I'd like to have more magnesium. I'd like to have magnesium, and I'd like to have more potassium. But again, if it's if it's a lease, and yeah, you go, exactly. boy, I'm only going to have it for a few more months, and that's it, then I am going to think about it differently. But if I own this ground, would I put some on? Sure, I would. Yep, that's always the the challenge. So the lease, I have no idea what your term is. If you've got it long term, and and hey, I'm leasing well, it from my parents and hope to someday own it myself, then that might be a different story. And and here's the other thing. Okay, most landlords, when I talk to them, they feel like they are totally left out in the cold. They don't know what's going on with the ground. They're always in the dark on everything, and. If I was you, I'd consider just going to them and showing them, well, if it is somebody else other than, let's say, your parents, uh, and go, look, here's the thing. If I put a bunch of, as you can see, <laughs> these tests are really low in phosphorus. They're low, super low, crazy low in magnesium, really low in iron, low, very low in zinc. I got these things that if I put them out there, I can't possibly extract them all in year one. So if I'm only going to have a one-year lease then it's really hard for me to invest money in these nutrients that would build up the ground long-term. So can I have a long-term lease? Or how about if you spend the money in the fertilizer and I pay you more in the lease? I mean, there are lots of ways to handle that. So I'm just saying, if I'm you, I'm taking a look at some of those options. Oh, anyway, at the bottom here, he did say he could do this blend, this micro blend that also has sulfur in it. So sulfur, boron, manganese, molybdenum, and zinc. Um, we don't have a test here on molybdenum. Uh, you definitely need zinc. Um, let's see. Manganese. Uh, you know, actually, manganese, you're in pretty good shape. And this becomes one of the issues with a lot of these blend products you can get. You go, well, I need two of the five things. I don't really need so much uh, three of the five. Or maybe I need three and I don't need two. Then why do that blend? There are plenty of other blends out there. 
I'd look for something that you actually need, but it sure appears like your manganese is good. A lot of your other things, and, and actually boron's not horrible. Uh, well, no, I'll take that back. You could use some boron too. So anyway, um, yeah, you got some things to work on there, but I'm with Darren. I, I would put more K out there in addition to the P if I own the ground. But obviously grassland, I'm, I'm really focused on nitrogen and sulfur. All right. Thanks for the question, Jared. Uh, get this one in from Randy. Now, I got a series of questions here, and I got some tests for you to look at too, Brian. Let me start with this one, though. Uh, Randy says, all right, Brian talks about putting down all your P and K needs before you plant alfalfa. And I keep hearing that yep. alfalfa is a luxury crop, and it needs to be fed each year. Can you address that? I don't want to take up the whole show because I got a few other questions for you. Uh, well, I'll just say we do this. We have a lot of people do this, and I don't, I don't find that to be true. That it's a, a, a luxury, and and whenever we talk about luxury, well, uh, if I can pull, if it can pull in more nutrients, great. Guess what I'm going to have? I'm probably going to have more tons and higher quality alfalfa. So I'm not worried about that at all. I think that is zero concern. All right, now I should say this too. Randy's got access to manure because Randy has a dairy. Awesome. He said, so I've got a dairy operation. Livestock's been on this farm for over a hundred years. Wow. This is the first time that I've run a Malik 3 test and the first time we <laughs> tested in zones. So wow. we've got a couple of things here. We're raising alfalfa and corn silage. That's our rotation. And I've got this particular mm -hmm. farm set up in eight strips and I'm rotating out of each strip one year at a time. So I have alfalfa out there for a certain number of years and then as soon as the alfalfa is done, we rotate back to corn. Mm. Uh, so anyway, I got got some different soil samples here. That explains all the difference that you're going to see out there because some of them are in alfalfa or coming out of alfalfa and some are in corn. And he's got a big list here, but it's it's extensive. He said, the problem is our dairy used to be bedded with lime fines for 15 years, and we realized what that was doing to pH, so we switched out and now we're bedding with sand. Yeah. Uh, I've got pattern tile, so we're, we can hopefully get rid of some problems. But so my first question, nitrogen. Look at my nitrogen carryover. It doesn't seem like much. Nope. Does this mean I was short during the year, or is this where I should end up at the end of the season on corn? Uh, you know what? In our trial work, what we found is we end up with better tons if we've, if we've got at least 40 pounds left at the end of the season. Or wait, I'll take that back. Was it 40 parts per million or 40 pounds? I don't remember what our... Our I, thing said. I was thinking it's parts per million. I think it's parts per million also. I'm 99% yeah. sure it's yeah. parts and per million. And the other thing with that, Randy, is we're putting a cover crop after we take our silage off. You may be doing that too, and having a little bit of nitrogen to get that cover crop started is pretty helpful as well. Okay, then he said, how about sulfur? I would have expected my test to be higher. I'm putting manure out there. I'm putting 12,000 gallons out there. I would have expected his sodium to be higher, the salts higher, and the sulfur to be higher, but none of them are. At 12,000 gallons, of, the, yeah. one of the problems we got here, Darren, is we don't see what, what salt is. So no, I see and he test. said that too. He yeah. said, I, I don't have a salt a test. I'm test. going to test that. that this fall. Yes. Uh, but he said, I know I need some more P&K in some of these areas too. Uh, so, I mean, that tells me you must be pulling some decent yields out as well. Yeah, but don't forget, on the phosphorus thing, Darren, um, a lot of times the dairy manure is not super high. It all depends on which dairy we're talking about. But, yeah, his phosphorus levels, a lot of them are much lower than what we'd like. I want a minimum of 100 parts per million on the Malik 3. And then on potassium, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff down in the ones. So, it's it's just it's surprising if he's put the manure on. Yeah, so. like I say, it's had animals for 100 years, so they've been putting manure on this ground for a long, long time. Looks Just, to me like you can put more on. Yeah, yeah, you're you're extracting a lot of that value out of the soil. Maybe having the alfalfa in the rotation has really helped with and that good extraction, drainage. too. Yep. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for the question, Randy. And yeah, when you get that salt test, we'd be happy to take a look at that too. Thanks for listening to our show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.